what's going to entice you to join yet another social platform. You might not know the names Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger, uh, but you are definitely familiar with their work because they are the founders of Instagram, and they're about to launch a new app. It's called Artifact, and this is something that sounds a lot like Twitter and that it will be sort of a, a news reading and sharing social app that actually isn't going to be social, at least at first. So we're going to try to explain what this is and why they think this is going to be successful uh, with our next guest, who's a professor of the School of Communication and the Gina Lab at Simon Fraser University. Dr. Peter Chow White is joining us. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. How are you today, Chelsea? I'm doing very well. I'm glad to have you talk about this because I think sometimes when a new social media app, uh, you know, comes out or starts getting success, you sort of think, oh, well, that's a no brainer. I probably could have thought of that. But trying to look ahead <laughs> and imagine what's going to come next is really difficult to do. So can you walk us through Artifact, what the, uh, what the original Instagram founders are trying to create and try to explain how this is different than Twitter? Um, well, there's not a, a ton out there because uh, on like, what exactly this thing does or what it's going to be or what, what, you know, more importantly, what need it's trying to fill. Um, and that's one of the most curious things for me is like, why do we need another app to, to uh, tell us what content um, to look at in terms of news? Right. Um, there's lots of things out there. There's lots of, uh, there's lots of news, um, news agencies out there that do a very good job of this. So I'm not exactly sure why we need something that, that so-called tailors our newsfeed for us for every individual purpose uh, person. So I'm not exactly sure, um, you know, how this thing is going to do. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, the information that we do have says that it's designed to provide you with a curated news experience based on your engagement and interest. So based on the things that you read, then an algorithm will likely determine what articles to show you next, and so on and so on. Which is pretty similar to, uh, you know, sites like Apple News. So I'm not sure where this comes in to try to compete. The social element is apparently that. It will it will allow you to share those articles and the the things that you're reading with other users. So I suppose you could mm -hmm. you could discuss what you're reading, which then kind of reminds me of Reddit. It sort of seems like maybe we're at the point where we're just sort of stealing ideas from multiple different social platforms and kind of putting them all together. Yeah, there's there's absolutely nothing new on any of the things that they're proposing to do, <laughs> and there's lots of other services out there that do that much much better. I mean, you know, people have success with one app. Of course, they're going to think they can have success with another one. Sure. Um, but what what I'd like to hear more of from them, and which is just not absent because their their web page has virtually nothing on it other than you know that it's that's going to be available or it is available, is that um, is like what need is it trying to fill? What's the problem they're trying to solve? Right? Yeah. And they had to pitch this thing. They had someone ask them that question to fund it. You know, what problem are you? solving in terms of news. And the curated feed, you know, that is nothing new in news. This has been around for 15 plus years. The recommender programs that tell us what books to look at on Amazon, what movies to watch on Netflix, you know, what comes down our Facebook feed. These are, these are, we're used to being inside an algorithmically driven society now where we think we're making choices, but there's also a black box which takes inside our choices, the things we like, the things we look at, the things we spend time on, and then connects that with what other people who have similar choices and then kind of funnels us into the same place. So, you know, news media plays an important role. This is the fourth estate of society. Like how a functioning democracy operates is having good health care, having a good electoral process, but also having good access to information and, and information by professionals that's been vetted that everybody can have access to, to understand like how the world is, is working and how their societies and how their communities are working. So 
when you get something like this that tailors things and curates things, as they call it, like they're, they're, we're being pushed into these sort of corners where we, mm-hmm. we start to talk to each other and only each other, almost like an echo chamber of sorts. That's not good. It's not good to not see other people's opinions. It's not good to only be talking to your friends about things or people that, that, that have the same affinity as you do for a certain subject. I'm so glad that you made that point because I think that that's a big issue on social media today. And I wonder about the timing of the launch of this new app and how it corresponds with, you know, you could call it, I guess, the the demise of Twitter right now with, you know, it maybe it maybe isn't completely falling apart, but there are people that are leaving that platform. And I wonder if those people then migrate over to Artifact and start their own form of an echo chamber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the disruption around Twitter has been, you know, quite interesting as people have tried to move to other things like Mastodon, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter where you go, there's going to be some curation, like, you know, just a, a natural feed that comes down, at, you know, in terms of like a time series or in a linear way, you know, just it doesn't seem to exist. You know, and interesting, when I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up, you know, watching television, watching news, you know, things like this. It's kind of helping people make their news, like make their curated, their, their content and curate it for themselves. So they're getting fed exactly what they want to be fed. Um, and, you know, but these, the traditional news, I mean, we all saw the same things. We saw the same headlines. We saw the same above the fold, below the fold in newspapers. We, were, we, we, we could get around the coffee, you know, the cooler and the coffee, uh, the coffee room the next day and talk about similar things that we all saw. Nowadays, it's virtually impossible to do that, you know, where we're being kind of being segmented off into different places. And what can really rise on that is, is this attack on, on news agencies, especially in journalists, professional journalists. Now, the media has never been free of politics, that, that's for sure. But, you know, news journalists are professionally trained. They're trained to vet. They're trained to be as neutral as possible. They're trained to, you know, make sure facts are facts. But we've been, we're in a world now where, where somehow there's a debate on whether facts actually exist. And not for the pursuit of truth, but the pursuit of power and, and lies. And I think then this is where something like misinformation is, is most concerning in an app like this is like, who's vetting these things, who's right. vetting, who's on there, what stories are there, what news agencies are on there. If they are actually news agencies, you know, anybody can say anything on the internet these days and look like they're real, they're real, but you know, but there's only, there's still a CBC, a BBC, a CNN, you know, like these are professional news organizations and they have a diff- they have a more important role than ever. And can we just blindly trust as consumers that Artifact will be selective about publishers and content? And can we trust that that's going to be vetted and verified information? Uh, We're in such an interesting moment right now, I think, in society and the the way that we consume information and misinformation right now. Uh, Dr. Peter Chow, I I want to talk to you a little bit more about something that you've mentioned a few times now, and that's what need do we need to fill? Because that makes me wonder about the next social media app and, and what that might look like in the incorporation of machine learning to help help create it. Uh, I want to get to that question in just a moment with you. So uh, let's talk about that in a minute. Uh, We'll come right back to it with uh, Dr. Peter Chow White, professor of the School of Communication and the Gina Lab at Simon Fraser University, the rise of new social media apps and what will they look like? We'll get back into it in three minutes on Chelsea on Shed. We're talking about social media apps and what could be next. Our guest is professor of the School of Communication and the G- and at the Gina Lab at Simon Fraser University, Dr. Peter Chow White. Uh, thank you so much for sticking around on hold. Really appreciate your time. No problem. Happy to.
So I, I want to I want to get at a question that you have been raising throughout our conversation, talking about social media and what it looks like. And you you said a couple of times, what need do we need to fill? And that's what these apps really need to answer. So when it comes to thinking about what's next, what do you think that need is that we need to fill? What do you think the next big platform might look like, and what full, what it will fulfill for users? So I think I'm just gonna I just want to kind of answer that a little bit different than I think what you're intending is I think what the need that we really need to fill is is something that is just trust and transparency in these apps. Mm. So not just what the content they do, but the process that they the process that they have involved in information gathering, information management, and and content delivery. And uh, and and what's what I mentioned earlier was is that these algorithms that are basically just just computers making decisions about what I'm going to see and what you're going to see, what you know the next person is going to see, which can be completely different from one another. You know, these have been largely black boxes. Companies have not shown like what the decision making trees actually look like. And so, to, but in order to create trust and transparency, you know, they need to start publishing what how their algorithms actually work. And uh, interestingly, Twitter recently did this, you know, as being pushed by people saying that, hey, you need to let us know, like, what the algorithm is that's making decisions on what tweets get, are, are seen more, which ones have more visibility, and, and why they're showing up in, in our feeds differently than others or in what order they are. And so I think that's one of the major needs that, that's out there in terms of finding a sense of truth and, you know, a, a common ground for information is trust and transparency. I wonder if we can accomplish that with some of the apps that ha- are surrounded with controversy. And it makes me think of TikTok and the the, the move to get off of it on certain, uh, you know, official devices, federal and provincial government devices. Uh, there's also, mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier on the show today, uh, a push from the University of British Columbia encouraging students to get off of that app. Do you think that that's, mm-hmm. that's the answer is to just release what the algorithm looks like? Or do you think that there's mm-hmm. more more to that? Well, I'm not sure targeting one particular app and saying that it's the problem when there are dozens and dozens and dozens of their apps who have actually created the problem is the right way to go. Like banning TikTok from devices and telling students they should, they should get off it and things like that. This is more about international politics and taking cheap shots at China than anything else. This is more about Huawei phones and the balloon and the, and the, the spy balloon that got shot down than it is about the livelihoods of everyday, of everyday people. There is nothing that this, this particular company can get from buying information on the open market that they can actually get from there, that more than they can get from what they're, they're getting from from people showing videos of their, you know, their homes and outside and stuff like that. So I don't think that's actually moving the needle forward because there's been 15 years of almost zero regulation of these, of these companies and these algorithms that have been really like shaping our daily lives, how we see each other, how young women feel about their bodies, how we see the most important thing, important um, issues in elections. Not only that, but also the ability of, of foreign governments to, to actually influence what people see in thinking about these elections, right? So, I, you know, I think there's a much, much bigger picture here. And, and I think those, I think jumping on the bandwagon, banging, banning TikTok is not going to get us anywhere. So where do you think that we move immediately next when it comes to when it comes to social media apps? Do you see um, do you see a new one being created? Do you see uh, more and more people yeah. just jumping from one to the next? Yeah, yeah, more of the same in that sense. You know what? What I think is important to actually to actually see is is actually have some sort of oversight on the role of social that social media plays in our lives. Like I said, there hasn't been a lot of regulations in this space. This is the the massive wave of the internet that virtually has gone unregulated. Um, but if you look at the history of media, you know, news media, entertainment media, and stuff in the 20th century, there's lots of regulation around that, around the types of content, Canadian content for one thing. That's one type of re- regulation. But when we've got to this other part here, where private corporations are in charge of what we see on a regular basis, we're virtually getting no regulation whatsoever. 
right? And so, and, and that's the difference between something like Twitter and Google, et cetera. They are, their responsibilities to their shareholders, where the CBC, BBC, you know, Global News, you know, to a certain extent are responsible to the public, you know, and, and what the public gets to see. And so those, those, those kind of, there's a big gap between those two things. Dr. Chow White, uh, you are getting a ton of praise right now on our station's text line as we're having this conversation with many people saying, what a fascinating guest. I know that we could probably keep this conversation going. Very kind Uh, of your guest. That's all. I appreciate it. Well, very kind of you to give us your time. I really appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much. That is all the time that we do have with you, uh, but great to chat with you about this. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's Dr. Peter Chow White, professor of the School of Communication and the Gina Lab at Simon Fraser University.